We're going to be in Genesis chapter 13. And we're going to be checking out uh, the return of Abram here. As he had made a decision in the previous chapter to go to Egypt uh, with his wife Sarai. Because the, the land he was called to was suffering from a famine. And he decided to look for, well what they like to say is for greener grass. And the problem was, is he went on his own accord. You know, Abram, he, he wasn't called to Egypt. He was called to Canaan, which is what we know as Israel. But he decided on his own accord that, you know what, let's go down to Egypt because the resources over there are much better right now. And if there's a lesson to be seen, we can see when God, when God calls someone to a location, uh, somewhere down the way, you will see the blessings. Okay, it, it may be right away. It may take time, but if God leads, there is a purpose for it. And we're going to see where God's blessings and man's demise of his own motives will take place in the next couple chapters here. But again, there's many out there that, that likes to take the plunge into something without God's approval. And, and to them, it's probably an outlook of having greater faith. That, you know, greater faith that, well, God's going to pull me out of this if it goes downhill. But biblically, that is not what God advises. And personally, I've seen the downfalls of doing those things. Has God delivered people from destruction? Absolutely he has. But he's also allowed the growing pangs along the way. And maybe some scars that weren't expected, but they were, uh, they were put there to remind us of our decisions. Now, is it, uh, is it truly more faithful to do things on our own and just figure that it'll all pan out is the question. And at times it may look uh, that way, but it, but it's more of I have it's more of a, I have faith in my decision, and God will just fix my blatant mistakes. And it, it takes more faith in relying on God first, and even greater faith comes when we've moved when He said to move, and that's biblical fact and not personal opinion. You know, I've been so blessed to see people who have relied on God through prayer and have done what he said, and, and not just in my own life, but also in, in the lives of others out there as well. You know, I look at the church that I grew up in in California, and I had a very blessed story of going where of going where God leads. And I never knew all of this stuff until actually a few years ago. And it's been probably 22, 20, yeah, 22 years maybe, I think, since, uh, since this event. But I'll tell you of, of what the Lord did in the church that I grew up in, um, in California where I was going. I grew up in a church that was probably around 5,000 people at the, at the time. And this was right around the time of 1993. And there was a decide, uh, I kind of out of nowhere decided to move uh, to another to another location that was probably I want to say eight to eight to ten miles uh, to the east of uh, where we were located, and so. I, that's all I knew is we were moving. There was a purchase of what used to be a, a very large office complex that wasn't there anymore with a, with a good uh, piece of property. So we moved over, and for about a year we actually sat outside uh, to have service for a year while construction was going on inside. And what I didn't realize was that there was 5,000 people that attended the church that I grew up in. But when we made the move, only 1,000 people came. 
the rest of the 4,000 people decided that they were just going to find somewhere else. And, and 1,000 people that decided to call that church their home came and sat outside. Now, what was interesting was is we never really got rained on before. And I remember sitting outside one time when it was actually starting to sprinkle, and they were going to shut down, and the people said, no, don't shut down. If This was coming from the crowd. Do not shut down. So the service continued, and then the rain stopped. But all year round... Nothing, no rain had hit. We'd never been rained out. And the same thing was, was going on with the youth and young adult studies that were going on as well as they were held outside on Friday nights, uh, for that same period of time. Now, what I just found out recently was what had happened was is that the church I was in sold for $1.1 million for this building. And the church that was being moved into was I believe somewhere between 20 to 30 million dollars. But you see, the Lord had given the vision, the Lord had given the green light. When we made the move and only a thousand people came, the interesting thing to find out just a few years ago was is that everything was paid for, everything was, everything was taken care of. It was to my understanding too that the monthly payment was about a hundred to a hundred and fifty thousand a month. And never once did they miss a payment. And and then within probably some years ago, the building was paid off. And and it was also paid off by somebody who attended the church there, I guess, uh, to my understanding from the story I heard from my old pastor at a pastor's conference I attended. But again, what I continued to hear was God's leading it was never on his own accord. It was never on, on any man's own personal accord of what they wanted to do. There was prayer. There was involvement. There was a waiting on the Lord to see what was going to happen. And to this day, somewhere between ten to 12,000 people attend that church to this day. And it's such a blessing to see that, that the continuation is still going on. Even though I'm not there anymore, I'm in another state, I'm always there. And it's not just that church. It is also other churches too that I've, I've uh, been a part of, if you will, through uh, learning through the messages and knowing the pastors and the stories that I've heard. It was the same exact thing, how the Lord took care of everything from prayer and from His green light of, of going ahead and going on his voice and not going on man's own accord. So today we're going to be looking at Abram and we're going to be looking at Lot, his nephew. And there, there seemed to be somewhat of a, uh, we're going to see a division here. We're going to see the difference between a faithful man and we're going to see a difference between that of, of somebody who does what they think is right in their own mind. Now, in this chapter, we're not going to quite see the results of that. That'll be the next. But we're going to see some things today that will hopefully uh, enlighten us in, in things of the Lord, that'll show us things that, that we can see in the acts of faithful men, and men of righteousness. See, Abram, as we know before, Abram did go to Egypt, not on, not on God's will, but on his own. 
And God showed him that what he did was not right. But when he had returned and repented, and he did exactly what God said to do, then we've seen the blessings of such. Now, unfortunately, Lot will will not really get to see the blessings. Now, he he will uh, he he'll be delivered, but he's not gonna he's not gonna walk away untouched. So, what we're going to be looking at is Genesis chapter thirteen, and I'm going to start us off in verses one through four. And if you have a Bible, feel free to follow along. And if not, we do again on the website. On the uh, sermon page there, there is an electronic area where you can actually uh, follow along electronically. So I encourage you to do that if if you can. But if not, I'm going to be reading it to you. So Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, it says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. To the place of the altar which he had made there at first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So Abram came right back to where he started. A place of importance called Bethel. Uh, Bethel means house of God. as This was Abram's true place of blessing and it was not Egypt. This was the place that Abram was truly blessed at. Now, Abram did what most people would do during hard times. They, they find the greener grass. And from a worldly perspective, Egypt was abundant in everyday resources. And this is the first account of wealth mentioned for Abram, uh, or anybody basically biblically, uh, that we've read about. Uh, many would think that, well, it worked out pretty good for him. Okay, but that from a worldly outlook, yes. But not from the integrity of God. You know, an abundance of cattle and livestock alone showed wealth in those days. Um, it, it was a precious commodity of many things. Okay, we had it, it covered the, many things for food. It co- uh, covered clothing. Uh, tents were made from the livestock from traveling people. And even Abram and, and uh, Lot lived in tents, and those were made from the, the livestock as well. And then, of course, you had sacrifices. So having having that alone was extremely profitable, a precious commodity. But having gold and silver as well, even more so. But I'm not sure how all that helps in a land suffering from famine. But even places that may be struggling are better than uh, than being somewhere that you're not supposed to be. Okay, we will witness that pretty soon. But I'm also I'm a very firm believer of blessed and cursed geography. Okay, and the first reason is strictly from biblical proof, first and foremost. Second, from personal experience. Yeah, Abram, Abram came from, uh, from Ur, the Chaldean area of Iraq. And, and it seemed good at the time, but it was ungodly and, and soon would be non-existent in our day. When, when God moves us, uh, we're, we're going to see the good when we go on. When we go on our own, though, that is a definite gamble. So when God moves us, we see the good. When we're on our own, we do what we want to do. Well, then we're, we're taking some major chances. And this was Abram's start where God wanted him. And he returned. Looking at the areas where Abram traveled uh, to get to Bethel, there was a high point or a, or a mountain 
that had a, a great view of the land. And right about there is where he, he built the altar and worship of God. Now, if I may encourage us, if we have gone astray, then I pray that you will return to the place that God, that God had called from. And remember the altar, or your sanctuary, from where you met with the Lord. See, he meets us wherever we're at. But like Abram, he calls us to return to where he met us. And, and we see that he meets us where, where, uh, when we're ready to return to him. And when we do, may we do so with excitement of a new start with the Lord. And, and to never take for granted of the, of the height from which we fell. And to especially never take for granted how he delivered us from the fall. Now let's go ahead and continue in, in uh, verses 5. And we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 7. And it said, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of, Li- of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So they have settled in the area where God wanted Abram. And what's interesting is, is his nephew Lot, too, was very wealthy. He had many people working for him. And we're going to see that Abram's men alone, uh, in the next chapter or two, were over 300 people. So when you have hundreds in a camp, and I'm sure trouble is due to come, uh, but now God did tell Abram to leave his family behind, and he did take his nephew. Now, God does show mercy once again, but perhaps this was another cost to pay. Um, not quite sure, but we remember that when Abram was called, he was told to leave your family behind. Now, Abram didn't quite do that because he traveled first with his father. His father died halfway, halfway down to where they were supposed to go to Canaan. And then we had Lot. We don't know how old Lot was at this time, but Lot was Abram's nephew. And Lot's father, Haran, died early. So Abram cared for Lot as his own, as Abram did not have children at this time. Uh, but unfortunately, we see what wealth does to some people. And I say some people, because I've learned that if, if you want to see somebody's true colors, you know, flash money at them or keep money from them, and they will show you exactly what their colors are really like. And now, no one was taking or robbing from one another, but fights over the land and, and the prosperity, they do go hand in hand. Okay, now, the fight originated over the herdsmen. It would be as like Lot's sheep were chased off from the field as they were grazing while, while Abram's uh, were led away from the stream while Abram's uh, sheep were drinking or whatever. And, and probably like sibling rivalry over a bedroom. You know, if you have kids and and uh, you put them in a room or whatever, and they got to share a room together, you're bound to have a fight of sorts. And and this was over land, okay? So Abram had over 300, and I don't know how many Lot had, but very well could have had somewhere close to the same. And and again, I've said this before, even successful companies in our day and age don't even have that many people working for them. So this was really something to, to be... Um, uh, to be looking at like, wow, these guys really did quite well, apparently, having that many people having to work for them. Now, I mentioned in Genesis chapter 1 
the very the very first chapter on on this ministry site Genesis chapter 1 meant the meaning the meaning of it of Genesis means origin and what we've seen over plenty of chapters is the origin of man's ways in this world unfortunately you know as God's people we're called to to not just share in the obedience of God's word but in the joys and sufferings of life are to be shared as well with one another you know, they forgot as well that their Canaanite and their Perizzite neighbors were, were hostile. And they very well could have seen a target of attack to a weakened group of wealthy settlers. But more importantly than that was the example they were giving to their neighbors of the Canaanites and, and, and their herdsmen. You know, the Canaanite area was a very dark place at this time. Which is why God was using Abraham and this place to be a, a representation of light, which is what which is what Israel had become was was a form of light, a form of salt and light on the salt and light to the earth. And there was a German philosopher, and I cannot remember his name, but what he said I never forgot. He said, "He uh, show me your redeemed life, and I'm just maybe interested in your redeemer." Now, one of the hardest things to witness is, is leaders. Uh, is leaders who teach very strong messages in Scripture. And then they turn around and show a whole other side to them. Now, as, as we've seen from Abram, he, he was still a man who did things on his own accord from time to time. But he was faithful and repentant for the falls. And, and when leaders know the standard and preach about it and then do the opposite... Uh, those those around who are watching will be the very first ones to throw a stone. And that is the unfortunate thing that we have to remember, too, is that, that people are always watching and waiting. And unfortunately, the, the, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, which the Perizzites were uh, like another tribe of, the, of Canaan, witnessing this stuff, probably thinking like, oh, they're no different than any of us. Now, granted, people are no different from other people, but God calls for a different standard. And he transforms. And we're all a work in progress. We are all clay that we must continue to keep moist for molding. Now as, as we observe, let's take a look at what happens here in verse 8. And we're going to be looking at verses 8 to 13. And it said, So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes, and he saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Now Abram showed some he showed some very good family values in regards to the worldly possessions, where Lot showed more of a typical demeanor of me, myself, and I. Now, unfortunately, Lot took on the approach of his uncle when he decided to go to Egypt for the sake of prosperity. 
Abram knew the dangers that could come. You know, what had happened was is he had told his wife Sarai, who was extremely beautiful, Abram knew it, and he said, Hey, if they know that I am your husband, they're going to kill me in order to have you. So tell them that you're my sister so nothing will happen to me. Now, we've seen many downfalls in here, unfortunately. First and foremost, as I mentioned, he should not, he was not called there. Second, he tells, he tells his own wife, like, you know what, they're probably going to take you as their own, but hey, if it's going to spare me and cause us prosperity, so be it. Well, what had happened was as soon as they, uh, they did uh, become a part of their, uh, that Egyptian household, and he and Abram was treated very well. Well, God put a uh, he put basically a, a curse on 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 Pharaoh on 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 the Pharaoh's household there, just as he did during the time of Moses. And and so he basically kicked Abram out of Egypt when he found out what had happened and who he really was. See, Lot most likely knew that Sodom and Gomorrah had a reputation for being a wicked and sinful place. Just like Abram knew what was going on in Egypt. And earlier I mentioned geographical places of blessings and cursed. And we may have the intention of thinking that we're going there to reach people, when at times, unfortunately, we become part of the cultural atmosphere instead. See, many have made the move to a Sodom and Gomorrah thinking that they are strong enough to withstand the ways of the area. But our family members may not be, and we will see the examples in the next chapter. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah at the time, it was very rich in resources. Uh, there was best, Definitely the grass was greener over there on the other side, and that was the outlook that Lot seen. It was very rich in resources. That would have been the place that anybody would have wanted, that wanted to be if they were willing to, to look past the atmosphere of the people. But where, where I will commend Abram is on his heart to keep peace in the family. You know, a wonderful scripture that seems to be ignored by many today is Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. It says, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. And Abram gave Lot, he gave Lot the first pick of the land to choose from. Now although the whole lot, or the whole land and the lot, <laughs> the lots and the lands were Abram's. Everything was given to Abram. And I've always wondered about the, the advice and, and the sayings that people would say that, you know, families should never work together or families should never be in business together. Well, I'm going to say this. Some of the best restaurants that I've ever been to are family owned and ran as basically an example. And the reason why that is, uh, the reason why that is said by people is because somewhere there is a lack of integrity amongst somebody. You know, look at family owned organizations that have made it over the years. You know, if there is love for what they're doing, passion in what they're doing, and if there is integrity amongst all parties, there is no reason why people cannot coexist. But unfortunately, there is always somebody who is out for themselves. And that's where the downfall begins. 
So I've always wondered about that when, I, when I've heard that from time to time, that families should not work together. Well, you're going to have to work with somebody with a complete stranger. And a lot of times, complete strangers turn out to be some, uh, very faithful and loyal uh, people to work with. So how different should it be with a family member if we're staying on task with integrity? But unfortunately, as I said, we see the example here from Lot, which is why people say the things they do. When we look at the example of Lot, we could say, well, there's the reason why families cannot coexist in business together. Well, Abram was the, Abram was the, uh, the example of the complete opposite. Abram was the example of, of the integrity factor. He was the example of, yes, it can exist. But again, he gave Lot the choice. And Lot made his choice. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. It's when possessions start to have us as the problem. And Lot showed his character when the test was upon them. You know, when we stop making choices in the direction God points to, uh, to then, then we are left to start making other choices. And that leads, that could lead to destruction. And yes, God delivers when He's willing, but why not do it right the first time? Why would we not want to do it right the first time when we look at the examples from Scripture, when we look at the examples from our own lives? You know, God calls us to, to seek Him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will come. And unfortunately, I think some have misinterpreted that into thinking that, oh, if I seek first the kingdom of God, I'm going to be wealthy. That is absolutely not true. He has blessed some with wealth, but he's, he blesses more so with the wealth of eternal life and with the wealth of, of, of abundant life here on earth, whatever it may be. And Abram was the example of such, as one of the first examples of such. Verses 14 to 18. And the Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. The neighbor moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth tree in Mamre, which are in the Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So notice how God spoke to Abram after Lot had departed. See, the blessing was to Abram. You know, Lot got to reap the benefits. But the greatest benefit was hearing God's voice and, and reassuring that he was with Abram. You know, God was the gift that keeps on giving here. You know, Abram was with, without children, but was told, not only is the land yours, but you will have descendants beyond count. Now, hearing this, Abram had to have wondered how this could be, being at, at this time, he was somewhere in his late 70s to 80s at this time, maybe early 80s. And the one advantage we have as, as Bible readers, as Bible students, is that we can see that whenever God said something, it will happen. It always did. Now, when, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't always say when, 
but that's a test of faith and, and a test of patience. But it do, uh, it does happen. He tests our faith and our patience, but it, it does come because he says it does. Now, where, where Abram was blessed was in hearing the voice of God, and by faith he went where God told him. You know, doing something like what uh, what Lot did was not a faith example. You know, some like to do things uh, on their own without God's blessing. And they see how Abram was delivered. Well, not everyone gets through when they take on that approach. You know, Abram moved to Hebron, which Hebron translates uh, communion. That's what the Hebrew translation is. It means communion. So he built another altar, which means he was also in communion with God. And when I look at the blessings of places that God let, uh, lets us dwell in, it amazes me that he did it twice here. Okay, He did it twice. First, we have the earth we live in, and then we have the, the eternal existence in heaven that he also built for us as well. We're living in the temporary realm. See, I, I pray that we would see the Lord more and more on how he loves and, and cares for those who call him Father. And how he lives up to his word. You know, blessing people who didn't deserve it, but still seen something in them. Now, if you were on this earth, it's because God created you and wants to have a personal relationship with you. But he gives you the choice to be of him or not. You know, he sent his only begotten son to die for our sins. And he sent him as, as our altar. Our altar of remembrance and worship. And like Abram, he was, he was not of God until he received him. And, and walked with him. And, and you and I are no different. Because God called Abram. And God received Abram and obeyed and became one with him. He, he told one of his prophets, Jeremiah even, that he, he said that I knew you before I formed you in the womb. So why wouldn't we want to know our Father? Why wouldn't we want to know our Creator? You know, Abram, as I mentioned in previous chapters, you know, Abram, Abraham, as his, as his name is going to be changing to Abraham, which means father of, the, of all nations... God called him his friend. Now, what a special time and what a special relationship to have. And, and he does the same with us. He does the same thing with us. Why wouldn't we want to know our, our Father who created us? And as always, the opportunity is given at the end of a message. If you feel led to be of the Lord... And if you want to know the Lord who, who died for you and who, who was raised from the dead three days later and returned to heaven 40 days later, which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, also of the descendant of Abraham, the Son of God, if you want to be a part uh, of eternal existence with God. There is only one way to do so, and that is through through a prayer of, of acceptance and salvation. So if the Holy Spirit has led you, after hearing this message, or after hearing any message, then repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me, Lord, of all of my sins, Lord. 
Father, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. Lord, I ask of you, Lord, to cleanse me of all of my sins now. And Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I receive you in my heart, Lord Jesus. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for, for having me, Lord, as one of your own. And Lord, may you accept me into your kingdom, Lord, as I accept you into my heart. As my Lord and my Savior. Father, I love you. I praise you. And I thank you for having me in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I pray again, as always, that God blesses you abundantly. I pray that that you have repeated the prayer. I pray that you will continue to walk in strength and in truth, and that you will continue to be equipped through God's word and, and through prayer and through and through a close walk with Him. So again, may you keep strong and may you may you be strong in Him and may you shine through Him as well. May God bless you and keep you.